So Ed Steenman is back with more on how to sell into the auto sector today. The birds give Odyssey the bird in Baltimore. Kind of clever there, wasn't that? <laughs> Very clever. That's good. What does that say for play-by-play? -play? Keith will talk about that for a minute. And Global Music has beaten up the radio business again. Good morning. We're back with another edition of Media Insultant, our opinions and comments. I'm Jackson Weaver in Seattle. And in sunny Southern Cal, it's Keith Samuels. Without commercial interruption today, we welcome you to the Thursday, January 13th episode of Media Insultant. You know, Mr. Samuels, I was listening to one of my favorite stream stations the other day, Yummy Hits on iHeart. I know it sounds very juvenile, but it, I really enjoy the, the music. I was listening over the weekend, and it occurred to me <laughs> that we are exposed to less and less commercial content than ever. I mean, consumers right. today stream music. They stream video. The banner ad response is under one-tenth of one percent. And all of these ad-supported media, radio, TV, newspapers are all in decline. And with Google and Facebook sucking up 80 to 90% of the local dollars, what's going to happen to all of these local ad-supported businesses? Uh, some of them are in deep trouble and will go away eventually. Others, um, just I just scratch my head over. And others, you know, are going to make some sense out of it, like iHeart. I mean, it's just an aggregation game for iHeart to compete with Spotify and, and Sirius is trying to crank Pandora back up because, uh, you know, they took over Pandora and Pandora's, you know, subscribers are collapsing and listenership is down. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a real struggle out there for people's attention, let alone what the sales staffs do for ad dollars. I have um, a new set of spectacular Sonos 5 speakers. I've gone to wireless, you know, Bluetooth sound in my living room, and if and and they have a Sonos app that helps you control those speakers, and that Sonos app gives you an option to listen to Sonos radio. Sonos is in the frickin' programming business. I just want to listen to my Apple my Apple Music because I pay for I pay for a family plan for Apple Music commercial free. But those Sonos bastards are out selling time, and so all of a sudden, every every you know, up to the holidays, ten to every ten minutes, they've got a little spot break, and they're really nicely done commercials. You know, very soft rock type. It's the type of spots that I used to sell on KNX FM in Los Angeles, but now it's on Sonos Radio, and I'm going Sonos fucking radio. No way! I don't want it. I just want the music. So you you really have to work to get Apple to play on your Sonos, but I figured it out. We do that too. But even the speaker manufacturers are selling spots. Oh, you know, it's like, give me a break. And there's a rep in LA who's going around to the agencies selling spots and go, how do you sell that stuff? You know, now some of it's direct response, but some of it is legitimate spot audio. Right, right. And it's like, somebody bought this stuff? Really? I mean, come on. So anyway, it's just there's so much of it out there that everybody and if it's digital, if it's a streaming service and it's digital, it's really cool. So they can get those digital budgets. But pity the poor rep that's trying to sell spots at, you know, at uh, 
uh, at all, 98.7, because, you know, there's just a shrinking shrinking pool of dollars to go after when you're there. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's interesting. I guess, you know, here's the one thing I would say that gives me some encouragement. Vinyl records are making a comeback. Maybe radio and TV and print will make a comeback. Oh, well, we got to move on. <laughs> so you and I have talked about these bandits. I think they're bandits at Global Music and uh, GMR. And for the last five years, they've been battling with the radio business with a committee called the Radio Music License Committee. And basically, here's the deal. Radio stations have to pay music writers, the writer, not the artist, fees for playing their music, the people who wrote the okay. songs, right? The composer and lyricist? Thank you. Is that what you That's mean? That's it. Okay. That's exactly it. Thank you for the clarification. And that's exactly it. This goes back to when, uh, back at the, literally the er early part of the 20th century, when music was all sheet music. And so you'd pay the rights for sheet music. Well, it's the same thing. And for decades, there have been a couple of what they call PROs, performance rights organizations, BMI, ASCAP. Okay. Along yep. comes Global Music Rights about five years ago and just said, hey, we have the rights to a batch of music. You have to pay us. And if you don't pay us, we're going to sue you. So, and I had several conversations. So, so what, what music do they have the rights well, to? Well, that's what was. Uh, did they just all of a sudden get music rights? That's what was so hard about it is you call them up and say, well, I'm happy to pay rights. Tell me what you've got. Oh, well, we've got a little John Lennon. We've got some Bruce Springsteen. And, and if you don't, if you play it, we'll sue you. Well, which songs well, what, do you what's, have? What, yeah, yeah, what songs? Give me the list, and I'll pay. No, no, not going to happen. They don't do it. They refuse to. But they say they'll sue you if you play their music, which is, you know, the utter absurdity. So if you don't pay, you don't get to play, but you don't know what you're playing or what you're paying for. And unfortunately, iHeart in this process about three years ago buckled and started paying, so kind of set the precedent and now, Keith, you know, this is really how you said the you said it earlier. You said, why is it I feel so what was the word you used to describe how you felt about this deal that uh, that they have put together for the radio business? There's absolutely no transparency at any level about any issue that they're trying to extort from radio. Right. So tell me what artists tell me what songs and tell me how much and we can negotiate. But there, there's. It's like you're, you're, we're, the radio industry is negotiating with a fog. You know, it's just, huh. Well, and they have now made an offer. GMR has now agreed to make an offer to stations. Uh, an undisclosed number of stations have to approve it by the end of the month, and they won't tell anybody what the terms are or the dis number of stations that have to approve it. Is it 10? Is it 10,000? What's the number? All of it is, as you said, ongoing secrecy, a fog and haze around everything and you know the sad part is stations don't have an awful lot of choice you know rmlc has done a good job of uh, fighting for them but i think everybody's just tired they've been doing this for five years and another big bite out of those margins for all markets and you know we just get nickel so, and so so what happens what happens jackson if uh, uh, if the bar isn't reached if the number of stations that gmr has you know, set as or that we've negotiated with GMR that says if you if so many stations agree, then it's a deal. 
Well, then, uh, would you uh, know that number? No. And and so then GMR says, well, if you don't approve it, then we're going to withdraw your temporary operating license. And we'll, we're going to basically start suing. Maybe we'll renegotiate, but basically we're going to start suing people for playing our music. So, you know, th this is this is truly a bum's rush and truly they're holding a gun to everybody's head. So we'll we'll keep an eye and, on it. Clearly, this is it. <laughs> and clearly, this is inside baseball. Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay, Ed, Ed, how's that for a segue? Yeah, Ed, <laughs> Ed Steinman joins us again to offer his perspective on the changes in the auto business and how we can sell more effectively. But first, Keith, the birds give Odyssey the bird, and Odyssey loses the rights to the Baltimore Orioles to Hearst in Baltimore on the play-by-play. -play. Uh, what's the story here, and why did Odyssey let the rights to the Orioles go back to Hearst? I don't know. It, it clearly, everybody expected Odyssey, formerly Intercom, formerly CBS, to uh, to secure these rights um, with the Baltimore Orioles. And, and you know, this mid-Atlantic region, you know, is really big, big baseball towns. I mean, you know, Boston, New York, Baltimore, Washington, D.C. You know, this is this is this is northeast baseball. This is this is. This is good stuff. This is a there's a lot of money at stake on these deals, and and Odyssey lost the rights to Hearst. Yes, you might have heard of Hearst. Used to own a lot of a lot of newspapers, but is a big TV group, and they they have a few radio stations. Not many people knew that, and those radio stations are only in Baltimore. So yeah, so uh, so Odyssey's one hundred five point seven the fan. Sports Radio 105.7, the fan, got their ass kicked by Hearst. And now the, the Baltimore Orioles are going to be on 98 Rock and WBAL, AM and FM. Those will be the flagships for them. And also get a lot of t a promotional time on the TV station. Yeah, I was going to say, the having the too. TV platform <clears throat> made a huge difference. So as, as you often know, stations are invited to bid. So a team will say, you know, the rights are coming due. You know, and they'll go around to the different groups because the, t the, the team wants to make sure they've got the best deal. And, you know, nine times out of ten, the incumbent wins that deal because they're just good at it. They know what the deal is and they, they kind of know what the team's about. They have a relationship, you know, yada, you know, guys, you know, it's, you know, baseball, men, beer, hot dogs, you know. Well, they got out. They got out. They got out. Beat on this deal, you know, because somebody came up with better promotion, more stations, television exposure, um, and, and you know, maybe Odyssey did everything they could, but they didn't have enough, and they couldn't. They they didn't find another TV partner, perhaps, to go in with them or add more stations to the deal. Um, but Hearst did it, got away with it, and now they've got a new six-year deal with the uh, with with the Baltimore Orioles, and. Now, you know, you've got uh, uh, Odyssey sitting there with no play-by-play. -play. Yeah, but I'm going to so make play the play. argument that uh, Odyssey might have been smart in this. Uh, for one thing, play-by-play -play is expensive. We all know that. But the other thing, it's an incredible amount of work, and you often lose money or break even. And it's a lot of work to just get to back up to, to zero. And sports hosts, Keith, often are restricted by what they can say about a team if the play-by-play -play is on their station. So this loosens up the play-by-play -play guys, or the, excuse me, the on-air guys, to have more freedom to be critical of the team if they're not carrying it. Uh, so the other day, I heard about a large San Jose 
dealer group. I think they have about 12 dealers uh, around the San Jose area. They typically have about 4,000 cars in inventory, and today they're down to less than 600 cars, Keith. So between the pandemic Hmm. and the supply chain disruptions, the entire automobile business is in turmoil. And you know as well as I do, car business is huge for radio and TV. It's been 20 25% of our billing sometimes. And so we need to know what these changes in inventory mean, what these changes in the way people are buying cars mean for radio and television media salespeople. So who do we call, mm-hmm. Keith? Who's our auto guru? Ed Steenman. That's right, of Steenman Associates. Ed has handled auto business for 20-plus years in all three tiers. So here's our conversation with Ed. Hey, Ed, uh, we wanted to ask, now that the pandemic and the uh, disruption in the supply chain has screwed everything up in the car business, how is it affecting the way car dealers are going to be selling in the future? Okay, well, uh, great question, and uh, thanks for having me back, guys. I always enjoy uh, chatting with you. I think to answer the question, um, let's look at it from three Let's look at it from three angles. First of all, let's look at it from the factory or the supply chain side. So you still have uh, chip shortages. You still have, in the auto business, we call it days of inventory. So you have widely varying days of inventory. Mm-hmm. If you're a, you know, if you're a Ford dealer, you have, you know, four units on the ground you can sell, and you know, lots of them maybe on the way, maybe not. If you're a, you know, if you're a Ram dealer, then you have maybe. 40 days of inventory, so very much varied by the brands. Mm. The factories kind of were given a gift from COVID, strange as that sounds. I mean, if you're the Ford dealer and you have 100 units and the Chevy dealer has 100 units and all of a sudden you have zero units, you know, you can't, you know, you're going out of business because the guy's going across the street to the place that has 100 units. Um, if both of you have zero units, now it's a new game. So it's really reset the the bar for the auto industry. And the factories, frankly, I think are loving it because here every unit that they're making is either sold or going to be sold. They're not having to offer deep discounts. They're not having to offer all the crazy rebates. And so they're looking at it going, this is a, this is a pretty sweet spot for us. I, they are going to ramp production back up, but I don't know that... Um, I don't know how much of a hurry they are to do that, given labor shortages and given some of the other things. So that yeah. that paints the scene from the, the supply side. Um, the other thing from a supply side is they are taking what chips they have and they're tending to move them to more expensive vehicles or SUVs or vehicles that have a higher sticker on them because why put a chip in an econo box that you can sell for 15,000 when you can put it in an SUV you can sell for you know 50,000 so that also has affected the supply side so that's that's kind of answer number one so then answer number two how does that affecting dealers well if you're a dealer that has uh, you know if you're a if you're a if you're a Ram dealer and you have inventory great Um, if you're if you're a Ford store and you have you know no inventory at all then you're taking Mm pre-orders and so that kind of comes to you know to your question as to how what's sort of the state of the environment interesting and and you know i was reading earlier this week ed um in fact back on monday burrell the research group that that is famous for tracking ad spending in television and radio and cable and and print and others but also primarily tracking trends and they said that in 2021 
car dealers spent 11% less on television advertising than they had even in 2020. Um, is, is, this, is this because of what you're saying, where we want, they want to reach out to more people and therefore they're shifting more dollars to digital, digital video, even, even OTT a bit, um, to, to cast that net farther and wider? So when we talked back last year, I mean, I basically told you that the TV spend was going to drop. So that's yep. pretty much right online. And it happened for some of the reasons that we talked about before. As the co-op dollars run out, well, then, okay, then there's no money in that, in that kitty. And mm-hmm. those Tier 2 agencies, you know, have, not, have less to spend. Um, that, that's one perspective. The factory doesn't need to spend the money because they're not producing cars. Yeah, yeah. Um, every car you produce is sold. Right now, every, you know, every, depending on which dealership you mm-hmm. go to, every car that's on the back of that truck is already sold. So why do I need to advertise to sell vehicles that people are going to seek out and find and aggressively try to buy from me? So I think, as to your second point about OTT, I think that was a shift that was occurring um, before COVID. And I think that that is somebody looking and going, how can I target my dollars smarter? Obviously, if I'm a dealer that's only serving part of a metro area, do I really need to be on broadcast TV serving the entire metro? Do I need to even be in that cable zone? Or can I go in and pick just the zip codes? I have a dealer now that is conquesting another dealer for a particular type of car, one vehicle that they can get, and they're conquesting their their competitor's territory because they know the competitor doesn't have that vehicle, so we're running an OTT campaign there. So it's a lot more sort of surgical and strategic as opposed to the you know the, the broad air cover. So where is radio fitting in these days in this discussion? Well, I mean, there's the tier one and tier two uh, ad dollars, and that's, you know, I can't speak much to that. I think that radio, uh, if I were a radio salesperson, which I think is is where you're trying to take me, um, I think that, that the opportunity for radio, and really for TV as well, is to go to a dealer that maybe hasn't traditionally been on radio and say, you know, branding is still important. More people than ever are going to be untethered from their dealership of choice, here's an opportunity for you to make a statement about yourself and at least let people know that you're on the radar screen. Now, that's going to take second position to do I have any sort of inventory to sell, mm-hmm. you know, and because if I have nothing, maybe I'm not going to be able to advertise. But particularly if I'm a dealership that has some inventory or is looking a little better than other dealerships in town, what a great opportunity. I think the other opportunity is to talk about used. I think more and more people are switching from new vehicles to used vehicles because they have to. Mm-hmm. I think that that there's a lot of trepidation about buying a used vehicle from a private party. I think there's trepidation about walking onto some of the used car lots and buying a used car. I think that consumers are willing to buy used from a new car dealer because they feel more confident. They feel like they're going to have a better experience. So I think there's an opportunity there to say, you know, maybe remind the, the folks that, you know, if, if, if you don't have it, we can help you get it. We're paying more for your trade. We'd like to do business with you. We'd like to help you. We know this is a challenging time. If you're a dealer that's not putting the additional uh, markup on it, Obviously, there and there are that that that's kind of falling into multiple camps. I mean, 
you can sell a vehicle for MSRP and make money. That's 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 what you're supposed to be doing. That's supposed mm-hmm. to be a nice profit. There are dealers that are putting those extra those extra you know market adjustments or those extra things on there. Um, and so if you're a dealer that's not doing that, what a great opportunity to come out and say to people, look, we're not going to gouge you. We're not going to take advantage of you. We know times are tough. We'd like mm-hmm. you to come give us your business. So I think I think those are some some opportunities for ad salespeople. I think that as the market levels out over, and it's going to be 2022. I, I when I came on last time, I said, hey, spring. No, it's we can basically look at with the new variant and everything else coming out. It's going to be 2022. So, and as a consumer, if you need to buy a car in the next year, you might as well buy it now. You might as well find somebody that's not going to jam you too bad on the on the on the extra on the extra overage, and wait six months for it because you're still going to get it faster than waiting till 2023, and you're not going to buy a used vehicle at the same price. You're going to get a new car with the warranty and with the features and with the other things. So there's still a compelling sales message there. Boy, lots of information in that interview, Keith. I hope our audience will share it with their compatriots in other markets. You know, Ed brings a lot of of market knowledge to the table. Because, you know, we can't blow up balloons, cook hot dogs, and give away tickets to the circus anymore and expect to get any dollars. (laughs) What? You know, I'm not not shivering out on the front porch at Soundford and Renton with service loaners for life? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Cooking hot dogs, uh, yeah. All of the- on Wrangler Franks on Oro Wheat buns. <laughs> All of this has been too much fun, Keith. We're out of time for the week, and uh, so let's get uh, those hot dogs cooking. And I'll see you next Tuesday for another edition of Media Insultant. <laughs>